0: And if you turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter twenty, uh, which in the Church Bibles is page seventy-seven, and in the large print Bibles, uh, one hundred and sixteen. And so we've been going through the Ten Commandments uh, this evening. We're going to be looking at the the fourth one of those. Uh, but as an introduction uh, to this, I wonder how many of you. Uh, Remember or recognize these adverts? Um, some of you, I don't know if they still do these adverts on the television, but I remember them growing up. Uh, the crunchy adverts were all uh, crazy about this Friday feeling. Uh, having a crunchy, apparently, any day of the week could make you feel like it's Friday. Uh, now, we know what they mean when they say that, what the Friday feeling is. It's that feeling when you have two days uh, of freedom from work. Uh, Saturday and Sunday is our weekend. We get to the end of Friday. We've worked hard all week, and you get that celebration. Friday's here. Friday, yes, it's the weekend. Two days of complete freedom. Uh, Well, actually, it's only been two days of uh, freedom, if you like, for uh, not that long, Uh, only really since the 1930s. Uh, Sunday has been a day of rest uh, since uh, the Roman Empire, in the reign of Constantine, he, gave, he made Sunday uh, a rest day because he was, uh, uh, he had a, a conversion, if you like, to Christianity and made Sunday the day of rest in the empire. And until the Industrial Revolution, that was the only day off that anybody would get, Sunday. But there was a problem when it came to the Industrial Revolution. Uh, people were working machinery And a lot of people who were working in factories had Sunday as their only day off, so it was the day where they could live it up, and they would drink an awful lot. So Monday morning came, there was still a little bit what we would class as over the limit for driving, and they would go and use their machinery, and there would be accidents and things because they had overindulged on the Sunday, and productivity Uh, went down because people were just too hungover on Monday in order to work, and so the factory owners, in their kindness, allowed people to have a half day off on a Saturday and encouraged them to get drunk then and have a rest on Sunday, so on Monday they'd be all ready uh, to uh, work their machinery. Uh, That was the way it was until about the 1930s. In America, uh, the, the car manufacturer Henry Ford he gave people a full two-day weekend, and the purpose of his two-day weekend was so that in an economy in the 1930s, which was really struggling, people might spend their money on the Saturday, on the extra day, and so pump money into the economy that was needed. Around a similar time in our country, the, the, the pharmacist boots, they gave people a two-day weekend. That was in the 1930s, and the reason for that was because they were, um, the, the, the stock levels were so high in what people were producing and they weren't being sold that they needed to reduce the stock and so they gave people a day off so they didn't produce so much. And from then onwards, we have had this two-day weekend and hence the Friday feeling. Now, whether you agree that we should have two days or as recently uh, as the general election in December last year, in a one manifesto, there was... Uh, a three-day weekend being promised, Uh, we can all agree, however long the weekend may be, uh, none of us can work 24-7. We all uh, need to rest. We desire rest, don't we? We long for it, and so it is good that God provides us with rest. His rest is called the Sabbath. And tonight we're going to think about what it means to obey this fourth commandment out of the Ten Commandments, which God gives to remember the Sabbath day. Remember the Sabbath day. Now, in the Bible, this theme of rest is a major theme running all through uh, the scriptures. So we read earlier on uh, the account of creation. That's uh, the the foundation of the seven-day week. Now, unlike uh, years and days, uh, the seven-day week has no astrological significance. There's no, uh, nothing to do with the rotation of the earth or the moon or how we go around the sun. The seven uh, days uh, is quite an arbitrary number, except for the fact that in biblical Hebrew, the number seven is a very important number. It the, has the idea of fullness or, or completion. And God in creation brings order out of chaos in 6 days and on the 7th day God rests now God doesn't rest because he's tired out God doesn't get tired something in the rest that he has and it's to teach us that the world God made was full and complete on the 7th day and he's enjoying the creation that he has made Unlike the, the six days before, it is quite a unique day, even in that account of creation. So unlike the other six days, the seventh day doesn't have a morning or an evening. So you notice all the other days, it says there was evening and there was morning, it was the whatever day. But the seventh day has no evening and no morning. It's as if that day is a permanent day, the completion day or the Sabbath day, the rest day. So it's unique for that. It's unique because God blesses the day. Now to bless, when God blesses something, he's causing that something to fulfill its purpose. And so as he blesses the Sabbath day, he's given it that blessing which is to fulfill its purpose of rest. And the third unique feature is that he made it holy. That is, it was set apart as unique from all the other days of creation. And Adam and Eve, who were representing humanity, were to rule and reign under God in a world that was permanently restful. So that seventh day was the day that Adam and Eve lived in until, of course, the fall. It wasn't that there was no work. We think of rest and we think of going to bed. It wasn't no work, but it was restful work. We'll come back to that theme uh, in, the, in the New Testament in terms of the, the yoke and the burden that Jesus gives us. It's not no work, but restful work. But we know that that's not how the world is now. We get tired and we get exhausted and we get stressed and work is difficult. Adam and Eve forfeited that seventh day rest when they sinned and work became hard and the chaos of death entered into the world. And God wants to restore that seventh day rest to humanity. And he chooses to do that through a family, Abraham's family. He chooses this family, the Israelites, to have an experience of the rest that he promises to restore the world back to. He promises to, uh, to give the world rest and there to experience it and then to share it with the world. But Abraham's family, they end up in Egypt. And what are they in Egypt? They are slaves. Slaves did not get a Sabbath day. They were constantly working under harsh rulers. But God frees them from slavery and he begins to bring them into the promised land, the land of rest. But there is a problem. The way to the promised land is via the wilderness, a not very restful place. And it's in the wilderness, after God frees them from slavery, that he gives them the Ten Commandments, which contains this command to practice this rest that God promises to give them in the promised land and to restore humanity too. And you can see this command again in Exodus chapter 20. Let's read it from verses uh, eight to eleven. This is the command that the family of Abraham receive in the wilderness regarding their rest. It says, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall do uh, not do any work, <clears throat> neither you nor your son or your daughter nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now again, just like the other commandments before this, in the, the culture that Israel was in, the nations that surrounded them, This was a totally radical command. Nobody took a whole day of rest, of no work. No one else lived out a day where they were practicing for a rest that was to come. But every seventh day, Abraham's family were to celebrate the rest that God was going to give them by resting. And this seventh day rest was part of ...of a number of sevens. So each year, there were seven festivals. There was the Sabbath and six others that they had once a year. So the Sabbath was every week. Six others were throughout the year. All of these festivals, all seven of them, were times of rest. Every seventh year, they were to have the land rested. And every seven times seven years... They had the year of Jubilee, and in this year all the slaves were freed and all of the land that had been sold was restored to its original owners. Keeping all of these festivals, all of these rest days and years and super Sabbath years like the Jubilee was part of the command to remember the Sabbath. Now with our need and desire for rest, we can see how This command does give great freedom as we remember it. So if you uh, remember the the structure of how we're looking at these commandments, first of all, uh, we're going to think about the freedom of remembering the Sabbath. Now, work (coughs) is part of our world. It was part of the original creation, but that was restful work. But our work is not restful, is it? Uh, Work, in verse 9, where it says, six days you shall labor and do all your work, isn't referring only uh, to paid employment. So uh, we get the Friday feeling because uh, we don't have to go to, to our paid employment, but there's still work to do, isn't there? So for example, you get home and you need to cook. And you know, d- dusting is part of a fallen world, isn't it? You, you work, you can maybe, I mean, I don't think this is ever the case in my house but you can have no dust and it all looks really spanking clean. But then one day later, it's dusty. Or you can think it's clean until the sun shines through your window and you see the dust everywhere. That's part of this never-ending cycle of of work. You have to keep going and keep working. It never uh, seems to stop. And what we're doing as we work is we are fighting back against the chaos and deterioration of our world in order to provide for the needs that we have. Now that includes paid employment. We need money to buy uh, what we need, shelter, food, and, and so on, but also uh, it fights back against the deterioration of things like dust and so on. Most things in this world depreciate and deteriorate and we need to restore them. That is, is work. And in the midst of this world, God provides for us. So even though we work, it is still God who provides So he provides us, for example, with the ability to work. So if you have a a job and you're going to work, at the end of the week you get your pay and you might think, I've earned that. And there's a sense that that's true. But ultimately it is God who provides. He gives us the ability to be able to work, doesn't he? He gives us the resources we need. He gives us seasons. Uh, He gives us food and light and darkness. He gives us helpers. He provides for the needs of his creation. Ultimately, God provides for his creation by enabling it to function, Hebrews tells us, by the word of his power. Everything, all that we have, all that we are, depends on God sustaining it. And so remembering the Sabbath, having a day off in this regard, gives us great freedom because it reminds us not everything depends on us. Do you see the freedom in that? Imagine the, well, we're going to see the tyranny of everything depending on me. But when we say it is all God who provides, that is great freedom. Because when we have an attitude of it's all me, well, then we have two types of tyranny. There's the the tyranny of workaholism, where we never stop, we're never done, which is exhausting. Or, if that continues, you have the tyranny of the despair when we realize I can't do enough. It's never enough. I can never work hard enough. It never stops. But when we remember that it's not all down to me, that I can trust in God to provide, it gives me a thankfulness and a peace amidst the chaos of our world. There is freedom in remembering the Sabbath. And this applies also to our salvation. To be in a relationship with God, we need God to free us from our slavery to sin. But we can't earn that. We can't work hard enough to earn God's favor. And again, there is a, a tyranny in works-based salvation. You have to keep working and you never know if it's enough because it never is enough. And it's, it's a horrible way to live. You're never at rest. You're always thinking, am I good enough? Is God really pleased with me? But for us as Christians, we rest and we say, Jesus has done it all. I can't earn my salvation. Christ has paid the price. The work is done. There is freedom in that, isn't there? Now, there are two uh, reasons given for this fourth commandment. Uh, there is physical rest in creation, and there is spiritual rest in salvation. Now, the Ten Commandments, I haven't really spoken of this much as we've been studying it, but it's, they're given twice, twice. Once in Exodus chapter 20, but also in Deuteronomy chapter 5. In Exodus, they had just left uh, Egypt, and in Deuteronomy, they're about to enter the promised land. So God reminds them again uh, of these commandments, but they read slightly differently. Now, I'm going to show you on the screen, but it might be more helpful to turn in your Bibles if you want to, because the words, as you can see, are are pretty small. Uh, But there are two big differences I want to point out to you. Uh, that uh, are between what God says in Exodus 20 and what God says in Deuteronomy uh, chapter 5. In Exodus chapter 20 verse 11, look at the reason God gives. He says, for, so this is the reason, for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So in Exodus it's linked to the creation account, isn't it? Uh, Later in Exodus 31, uh, we read that God rested and was refreshed. Now again, does God need rest and refreshment? No. He doesn't need it, but he sets a pattern for us to follow. As God rested and was refreshed, so his people are to rest and be refreshed on this particular day. And there is a humanitarian aspect as well to this Sabbath day. Uh, In Exodus chapter 23 and verse 12, uh, God says that uh, they are to, to rest on the seventh day so that your ox and your donkey may rest and so that the slave born in your household and the foreigner among you may be refreshed. So he put this in place so that people uh, from the, the highest to the lowest in society and the animals could have a day off. So they weren't in this tyranny of never stopping working. That was what this link uh, to creation uh, was about so that the Sabbath day was a day of rest and refreshment for the people of God to remember that it 's God who provides for our needs. They cannot do it on their own. God made the world. He did it in six days. He provided all that we need. We can trust Him to provide. But in Deuteronomy, it reads slightly differently. Uh, first of all, they 're told not to remember it, but to observe it which means that when they go into the promised land, they're to continue with this practice of having a day of rest to remember God. But the reason is different. So whereas in Exodus they're told to uh, keep the Sabbath because God created the world in six days, in Deuteronomy chapter 5 and verse 15, it says, Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. So they were to observe it because they were not to forget that there was once a time, Israel, where you never stopped working, where you were slaves, but God has freed you. Don't ever forget what God has done for you. It's to remember their salvation. Now, that's the same for us, isn't it? Don't ever forget You were slaves to the tyranny of life away from God, where you never stopped working to try and earn your salvation, whatever means that was. But God has freed you. Don't forget that. And don't forget that that all that you have comes from God. Well, in practice, how they kept this was was twofold. Uh, First of all, they had to cease from working, So we see a number of commands uh, throughout the law of of what was forbidden, but also they were to gather together as a sacred assembly. That was important too. Every single Sabbath festival they had, whether it was the day or the the week or the year, they were, were gathering together as a congregation of God's people to celebrate and practice the rest that God had given them. So the freedom of this command is this, knowing that physical and spiritual rest is not down to me. You can, you can see how that's so liberating, isn't it? It's not down to me. I don't have to do this. I can stop and I can contemplate the goodness of God and enjoy his creation and care. And I can remember that I'm saved through Christ, not by my own works, which were never good enough. However, Israel did not keep this commandment. They forgot the Sabbath, and just like us, there was the failure of restlessness. Uh, In Leviticus chapter 26, there are uh, lots of uh, punishments that God gives for breaking his law. And one of the, the big things God points out in that chapter is when they disobey his law if they continue down that route of going back to the slavery of their own ways, they would be exiled from the land. Just like Adam and Eve were exiled from Eden, uh, it was promised that if they went their own way, they would be sent out of the the land of Israel. And in Leviticus 26, uh, it's interesting that God links this exile to the disobedience to the Sabbath command. So this is what we read there. When they're exiled, it says, "Then, Then... The land will enjoy its Sabbath years all the time that it lies desolate, and you are in the country of your enemies. Then the land will rest and enjoy its Sabbath. All the time that it lies desolate, the land will have the rest it did not have during the Sabbaths you lived in it. So Israel were, were told to keep the Sabbath, but if they don't keep God's law, they're exiled, and God will give the land the Sabbath that he wants to give it. The prophets, uh, like Jeremiah, which we've been studying in the mornings, they constantly were telling Israel about how they're breaking God's law. Uh, One of those laws that they broke constantly was not keeping the Sabbath. And we read this at the end of 2 Chronicles. They were exiled, so the land enjoyed its Sabbath rests. All the time of its desolation it rested, until the 70 years were completed in fulfillment of the word of the Lord, spoken by Jeremiah. So we see that Israel did not keep this command. Well, how did they disobey? Well, one, they disobeyed in practice. They didn't keep the day or the years. But they also disobeyed in their attitude towards the Sabbath. Uh, uh, Isaiah speaks of this, but he says this is what they should be doing. And as he says this, he's saying this because they're not doing it. He says, if you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath... And from doing as you please on my holy day, so they weren't, do, they weren't resting, they were just doing whatever they wanted, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honourable, and if you honour it by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord. So they, 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 they disobeyed in their practice, they didn't rest as they ought, they disobeyed in their attitude, they treated that day with contempt and thus treated God with contempt. Israel forgot God. They ended up in exile. They forfeited the land of rest. Well, what about us? How do we fail to keep the Sabbath day or to remember it? Well, we fail when we forget where our rest comes from, both in terms of creation care and in terms of our salvation. So how do we do this? Well, there's a number of ways. Uh, one is workaholism. So uh, when, when being busy is our badge of honor, that's forgetting the Sabbath. When people say, uh, when, you, when they ask about you and you define yourself by how busy you are, that's forgetting that actually it's God who gives us rest. When our value is placed on what we do, rather than our identity in Christ, we forget the Sabbath. When our value is placed on our our jobs, what we do for a living, or on our grades at school, we forget. Now, this command isn't calling us to be idle. Rest, we'll see, is, is, is not no work. But it's saying to us that being defined by work, living only for what we do, is forgetting where our rest comes from. I mean, I remember when I was at work, uh, in one particular place, there was a manager who literally wanted his department to fail when he went away. Because he felt that if he goes away and it fails, he's needed. Right? That, that, that is, isn't that awful? Whereas actually, if a manager goes away and everything's working just fine, it shows he's doing a good job, right? If, we, if, if, uh, if, if I'm on a holiday uh, from, from church... And everything that I do just, just falls apart. I've not been doing a good job while I'm not on holiday, right? So workaholism is a failure here. Uh, lacking thankfulness. When we forget that, that all we have is from God. When we pray before we eat, we're not, there's no command in the Bible actually to do that. We do that because we want to stop and remember where, this good thing, where all these good things come from. Uh, we forget this command Uh, when we don't gather as God's people. Israel's uh, festivals were assemblies. The rest that God's people had, contrary to what you may want to hear, was not a desert island. We often think of rest and think, oh, if I could just go on my own under a palm tree in the sun, that'd be just great. But that's not the kind of rest that God's talking about here. His rest is a group of his people gathering together to worship him. If we're too busy for church we're too busy to spend time with God and with his people, we're forgetting the Sabbath day. We, f- we, we break this command when we are not satisfied, discontentment, when our whole life is spent chasing after rest. So we all desire rest and satisfaction and fulfillment, and when we're running after that in all sorts of places outside of Christ, we're not remembering that Sabbath rest comes from him. We're not accepting the rest that he offers us. We're, we're chasing after whatever it is we think will satisfy us. And one final way that we break it, I think, is when we are overburdened with worry and anxiety. When we're not trusting God to provide for our circumstances. We're not resting in his providential care. We're, we're, we're forgetting where our rest comes from. We're not remembering the Sabbath. Well, the Old Testament prophets condemned Israel, but they also promised that Israel would return from their exile. They were sent away, but they were promised that they would be allowed back to the the promised land. But the prophets looked forward to an even greater rest, even greater than the land of Israel itself. They were looking forward and promised a day when there would be an ultimate and greater year of jubilee. The jubilee would come when people would be totally freed to rest in their God. Well, hundreds of years go by and the rest still has not come. And by the time that the New Testament arrived, the Sabbath day was actually the hardest day of the week for people because there were so many regulations that the religious leaders had made. Religious leaders had added so many regulations that it was just hard work. And that was not what God meant by this command to remember the Sabbath day. The Sabbath is not fulfilled by loads of law-keeping. The Sabbath is fulfilled in Christ. And Jesus begins his ministry, his public ministry, with some very interesting words. Listen to what he says in Luke's Gospel. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now this was an Old Testament prophecy that was looking forward to the year of the Lord's favor. What year was this? Well, what year were the slaves freed? It was the year of Jubilee. And Jesus comes along and he says, I am here. This scripture, this year of Jubilee is fulfilled in your hearing because I am here. I am the one who brings this rest. And in Matthew's uh, gospel, we read these famous lines Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. The Sabbath day is fulfilled in Jesus. But interestingly, Jesus himself was uh, criticized for breaking the Sabbath. In the very next chapter of Matthew's gospel, from this verse, Jesus and his disciples were on the Sabbath day picking heads of grain to get some food to eat. And the religious leaders said, well, you're uh, breaking the Sabbath day. And what Jesus said to them was interesting. He wasn't breaking any of of God's law, but he was breaking their own man-made regulations. But Jesus says that he can give permission about what can and can't happen on the Sabbath because he said, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. He is in charge of it. He is the Lord of the Sabbath. He shows us what the Sabbath means. It is not about regulations. It is not about what we do. I mean, think about it. How can the Sabbath rest be about what we do, right? Jesus says no. No. The Sabbath is about me. I give rest. Now, part of that is for our bodies. In Mark's uh, gospel, in the same account where Jesus was criticized uh, for picking the grain, he says that the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So there is an element that that God made this Sabbath day uh, for our bodies to rest so that we can cease and stop and rest Jesus says that the Sabbath was made for our good. So it includes stopping from our, our work and having a, a, a time of refreshment and relaxation. But there is a greater fulfillment than mere bodily rest. There is rest for our souls, rest uh, that Jesus uh, provides. Now, in, Jesus uh, died on a Friday. Uh, it wasn't a coincidence. He timed his death so that he would die on the Friday, so that he paid the price for our salvation. He did that work that we cannot do of paying for our sin. And on the Saturday, he went to the grave. He rested. His work was done. So he's in the grave on the Saturday. And then on the third day, on Sunday, the first day of the week, or, if you like, on the eighth day, he rises from the dead. Why is it the eighth day? It's a new day. It's a totally different day. Because the fulfillment of the Sabbath has arrived. Jesus is risen from the dead. The work of paying for sin is done. He is now alive. He has risen. He brings a new creation, a new day, a day of permanent rest for our souls. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is linked back to that original creation. It's a new creation where light and life breaks into the darkness and rest is given to his people. Rest for our souls. Well, how is it that we can rest in what Jesus has done? Well, let's go back to uh, Matthew chapter 11. Jesus says, "'Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest.'" Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Notice here that Jesus' rest is a yoke. Now, it's not um, anything to do with an egg. Uh, it's what was put on an on a, on a ox to tie them with another ox so they could work together, but it was a uh, easy means it was well-fitting. It didn't chafe. It wasn't hard. And, the, and, and it was comfortable. And he also says that he has a burden. So it's not no work, but it's a burden that's light. It means it's fit, fitting for us. It's good for us. It's restful for us. So the, the Sabbath that Jesus gives us, the rest, is not no work, but rather kingdom work or fitting work or satisfying work. And it's the work of living under God's rule and his reign. The commands of Christ or the Ten Commandments are included there, of course. Those are commands for our freedom, for our rest. They are a yoke that fits, a burden that is light that we can can do. We are designed to live under God and he gives us his spirit so that we can do so. And that is the way to rest. Only through Jesus. And so, with that in our minds, we can now look at the future of remembering the Sabbath. How do we remember or observe the Sabbath day today? Well, the Old Testament regulations for keeping the Sabbath, including the day of the week that it's on, are no longer the point. In the Old Testament, the the Sabbath day was a Saturday, that's not the point. The Old Testament regulations pointed forward to the rest we receive in Jesus. And he has bought us that rest through his death and his resurrection. Paul makes the point in Colossians that we no longer have to keep one day as a Sabbath or keep any regulations around it. Listen to what he says. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. So those Old Testament regulations about the Sabbath day, they were shadows that were looking forward to the the reality which is found in Jesus Christ. Now you may be wondering, why haven't you mentioned Sunday? Well, I haven't mentioned it yet but I'll mention it now. I don't believe that we can uh, can justify from Scripture that Sunday is called the Christian Sabbath. There is nowhere in the Bible that tells us that Sunday is a Christian Sabbath. The New Testament teaching is consistent in saying that the Sabbath was fulfilled in Christ to give us rest. However, I would not Also, write Sunday off as well, it's just another day. Yes, we are to remember every day that Jesus gives us rest. But on Sunday, the church does what the Old Testament people did on the Sabbath, as in they met together as a sacred assembly. So on Sunday, while we can't say this is the Christian Sabbath, from the days of the early church, Christians have met on the first day of the week in order to meet together, to open up the scriptures, to break bread, to have fellowship, and so on. In Revelation chapter 1, we read of it as being called the Lord's Day, but Christians never really at that time had a full day of rest. They would have met in the evening because it wasn't a day off in the Roman Empire at the time, and so they would have worked all day and then came to meet together in the evening. There is no evidence whatsoever, in fact the evidence is quite the other way, that Christians took a stand of not working on a Sunday. But they did take a stand in meeting together, singing together, breaking bread, studying the scriptures, and so on. And so therefore, in the pattern that they have set, we should prioritize Sunday for the same purpose that they did, to meet together. What time on a Sunday? we're not told how often on a sunday we're not told but we are told to meet together as god's people and why wouldn't we why would not we why would we not want to be together as god's people to worship the lord now the humanitarian uh, need for rest still applies uh, new testament people are no more robots than the old testament forebearers we need that physical rest and since sunday is a day off for most people I believe we should use it for rest where we can. But this makes Sunday a convenient day and a traditional day, not a Sabbath day. Beyond the prioritization of church because we meet on a Sunday, there are no other regulations for Sunday in Scripture that I can see. But added to this, I would also say there will no doubt be people here that disagree Romans chapter 14 is a great place to go. Romans, uh, in Romans 14, Paul talks about Christians having different views on the Sabbath day. And he says that we need to live together and respect one another and not expect from one another what we cannot do in good conscience. So, for example, there is, uh, I work at Contagious, uh, the, the, the youth camp in the summer. There is a particular person I work with there who does not believe in good conscience he can shop on a Sunday. So if I need supplies on a Sunday, I'm not going to send him to the shops. I'll go myself or send someone who can go in good conscience. I'm not going to criticize him or moan at him or say he's silly. That is his uh, conviction, and I believe he uh, has sought the Lord on that, and he genuinely believes it's the right thing. Good for him. I'm not going to criticize him for that. However, I cannot see any other regulations in the Scripture regarding the Sabbath day then on, a, then, then on a Sunday we meet together as God's people. And that's not even the Christian Sabbath, if you see what I mean. It's fulfilled in Christ. He gives us rest every day. And something that we can all agree on and all celebrate is that one day, that seventh day rest will be a permanent day again. Remember in Genesis uh, chapter 2, where we read that on the, there was no evening and no morning on that seventh day. Well, listen to what the Apostle John writes about the new creation in Revelation chapter 22. He, uh, he says these words, There will be no more night or no evening. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. This is uh, John's way of, uh, in symbolic language, of saying that there is no darkness or evil. There is only ever light. But we can also look at this and say that there is no evening or morning. There is permanent, fulfilling, eternal rest for our souls and for our bodies. And every single day in that new creation, we will always remember the Sabbath day. How can we forget? Because we'll look at our bodies, and they'll all work. And we'll look at our Savior and say, look what he's done. It's going to be wonderful. He will restore that seventh day rest to us permanently in that new creation. And when we have those days where we are feeling exhausted, when we have to get up for work and we have to go, we can't just take a day off because we have obligations to be there. Although our bodies may be tired, our souls can be at rest because we can look at the gospel and we can say one day my work will not be hard. It will be eternal everlasting rest and we can praise God for that. Well we're going to uh, end with a song that is uh, talks of the refreshment for our soul that comes from the Lord. It's a rendition of Psalm 23. talks about how God leads us by still waters and restores our soul. And we sing that from our hearts because in the chorus we say, I trust in you alone. Only God can give us rest. Let's sing from our hearts, I will trust in you alone. Let's stand as we worship together.